Hi, I'm Stacy. I love chatting about how to find our callings, preferably cozied up with steaming beverages in a coffee shop. You can connect with me on social media at Stacy Summerow and subscribe to StacySummerow.com for a free discernment packet called How to Make the Right Choice. God's adventure awaits, my friend, and I am thrilled you're on the journey with me. Hello and welcome back for another episode of Called and Caffeinated. Whether this is your first time or your 38th time joining me, I am just so thrilled you're here and I want to thank you for tuning in. As I shared with you in a couple of episodes past, my grandpa passed away last month. We buried him a few weeks ago and it was one of the most beautiful and sad experiences of my life. Please continue your prayers for his soul and also for my grandma. They were born three days apart in 1925, and she's turning 95 this month, and I know it's going to be a really hard birthday without him. My sister Shelly is an opera singer, like a real-life, actual opera singer. She can fill up a room with her voice. Oh my gosh, can that woman sing? And she spends most of her year in Europe, but she was able to fly back from Sweden just in time for my grandpa's funeral. So the two of us were able to sing a prelude at mass uh, for his funeral. So we're going to be singing Pia Jesu. You can hear that at the end of the episode. You'll know which one is Shelly because her voice is beautiful and enormous. Um, And I am so blessed that Shelly and I were taught to sing by our grandpa from a very young age. So this was in his honor and also in honor of anyone who has lost a loved one. Tonight, Raphael just cozied up to me and he just snuggled up to me and he said, I woof you, mama. And hearing that from my child just melted my heart. He's my little two-year-old. He's going to turn three this month. And my little Zelly is is one she's going to turn two. And when they say, I love you, it just makes me so much happier than I could ever express. And I know that that's how God feels when we tell him that we love him. So have you told God that you love him today? I know he would just so appreciate hearing it from you. If you have spiritually benefited from called and caffeinated, I would so appreciate if you would leave me a little iTunes rating and review. I know I sound like a broken record asking for these, but it truly does help the show get seen by more eyes. I just love seeing the new ratings and reviews coming in. I want to thank everyone who has left one, and I want to entreat anyone who's thinking about it. I'm just going to put that little reminder. Thanks so much. I want to thank my Patreon community members. Some of you I know are listening right now. And I just want to invite anyone who cannot find community in your area or anyone who's benefited from this podcast and would like to support my ministry to join me on Patreon. Patreon is a way for artists to create sustainable income. And for me, I've taken Patreon up a notch. So not only do you get perks, but you gain a real community. First, when you join, you're going to get exclusive access to Coffee Sips, which is is my faith and lifestyle show. I just did a really fun episode with a seminarian friend of mine about Lenten best practices and his journey with Exodus 90. And there's so much other stuff in there. You're going to love it. When you join Patreon, you also get video chats with my community members and me. This is not a live stream where you're a consumer. These are video chats where I see your face, you see my face, and we break open the word of God together and we enjoy each other's company. And it's so beautiful to see these friendships that are forming among my community members. We're all really getting to know each other and getting to share our hearts. And I just absolutely love, love, love these video chats. 
Also in Patreon, you get access to the challenges that I am releasing once every three months this year. So this is a special perk because I have had it on my heart to write different retreats that are self-paced about seven days each. The first one is the Beloved and Worthy Challenge, which deals with our self-worth. It's uh, especially wonderful for women when the devil is lying to us about our identity, about who we are. My goal in writing this retreat was to replace it with God's beautiful truth. And you can find that for a nominal fee on my website. Or when you join Patreon, you get access with your membership to that and all future challenges. So there's really no reason not to join. We have more fun than canon law allows and membership starts at just $5 a month for all these perks. So you can hop on over after this episode to patreon.com slash called and caffeinated or click on the link in the show notes. Awesome. Let us get on to my episode with Arlene Spensley. Arlene and I first connected after I had been on The Sisterhood, Becoming Nuns, my reality TV show about discernment. And in one part of that TV show, I defended chastity as a lifestyle, a sustainable lifestyle, which I know is like really crazy for a lot of people in our culture. And, um, Based on that witness, Arlene wanted to send me her book, which is called Chastity is for Lovers. So we had a really deep and rich conversation today. It's just so beautiful. I can't wait to get this out to the world. Um, Arlene has been very public about her choice for living out chastity. Yes, it is different than abstinence. But not only do we talk about chastity for single people, we talked about chastity as a lifestyle, chastity as a choice of embracing this virtue for your whole life long. So I was able to add to the conversation conversation as well to talk about chastity for married people. What does that look like and how does it how is it lived out? I know you're going to love this conversation, so without further ado, let's get to it. Arlene, I'm so grateful to have you here with me on Called and Caffeinated. Thanks for being my guest. No problem. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, what are you drinking tonight? I am definitely not drinking something that involves caffeine and there's a story behind that that I would be happy to share, but um please do. I am drinking glazed lemon loaf tea um, what? which is it's it's a what? tazo tea and it's i found it well a friend of mine introduced me to it actually and um you can buy it just at the grocery store and the first time i had this tea i'm gonna tell you right now it changed my life it's literally <laughs> like it is like drinking a liquefied glazed lemon loaf wow so good. it is so good That's but amazing. yeah I, I can't have caffeine at all? No. Well, I mean, a little bit. I can have it in, in like chocolate or okay. um, pretty much chocolate. So Arlene, what calls have you received from God in your life so far? And what did receiving those calls look and feel like? Oh my goodness. So many. I feel like I feel like I get calls from God all the time, but like many of them are, are teeny tiny little calls from God. Like, mm. you know, go and... Um, you know, compliment that person across the room or, or go and, you know, ask this person a question, little things like that happen. Mm -hmm. I think all day, every day where I feel prompted to do something. Uh, And sometimes um, where that prompting is coming from could only be God because I wouldn't necessarily think to do some of these things on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's, that's been really powerful for me, but some of the bigger calls that come to mind, oh gosh, definitely um, writing my book, Chastity is for Lovers. Uh, I had wanted my whole life to write a book. So as I was nearing the end of grad school, I just started to feel this sense that it was time. I, I would kind of, you know, browse these websites for different publishers and among them, you know, some of the more popular Catholic publishing houses, including Ave Maria Press. So the first thing I did after browsing their website was 
write them off completely because mm-hmm. I thought they're kind of um, well known. They're they're bigger, and I am new at this. I've never written a book, and I don't want to aim that high. Toward the middle of that semester of grad school, um, I was at work one day, came home from work, and uh, checked my email. And when I opened my inbox, I had an email from an editor at Ave Maria Press. Wow. I, I had not reached out to them. Patrick introduced himself. He said that someone who works at Ave Maria Press had stumbled upon my blog and they really liked the things I had written about sex and chastity. Mm. And he simply wanted to know whether I had ever considered writing a book. And I probably fell off my chair. I was completely stunned. And I literally said to him, every day I consider writing a book. Uh, mm. Tell me more. <laughs> like, like, let's talk. And so um, that I think is, is one of the, you know, clearer, um, bigger calls that God has placed in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, so, so big and so clear that he wasn't going to let me get in the way <laughs> of that because if mm. I had had my way, um, I never would have interacted with that publishing house at that stage of my career. That's so cool. I'm just so fascinated to hear everybody's answer to that question. I give out this big umbrella question and it's amazing what people come back with. And I really <laughs> like your answer about just the little calls, the little moment to moment calls. And I think those are the ones that well, I know those are the ones that add up to the big calls. It's that moment-to-moment trust in the Lord that um, I think all of us need to grow in no matter what stage we're at. But there's a definite point where you can start to take these little cues and start to act on them. And what was that like for you first to hear those little calls and then to start actually acting on them? Like there's, wow. a, there's a point where you're like, okay, you're in the moment. You're thinking of other things maybe you're literally on stage with the microphone and like you have your points all laid out and then you kind of feel this nudge. What's the point where you're like, okay, I'm going to go with this. I'm going to depart from the plan and just make this happen. Oh man, that is probably one of my greatest struggles, departing from the plan. (laughs) (laughs) I am not good at that. You are not the only one. (laughs) Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. I, I, I still struggle with that. I think, um, that might be one of my, my lifelong struggles. Um, but you know, there, I think there are different moments um, where it just becomes almost necessary to act on those little calls and those little promptings. Um, the, the example I'm thinking of didn't happen on a stage. It actually happened in my car. Um, this was several years ago. I haven't thought about this in forever, and I'm guessing maybe this right now is a call to share this story. I was driving to work. I was turning onto a certain road and there was a woman at that corner um, who was clearly homeless. Something in my heart really wanted to stop. And I, I even, I think I might even said out loud, like, that's crazy because I didn't, I didn't think I had anything to give her. I mean, really, I don't, I didn't think I had any cash. I definitely didn't have any food. I I was like, what what could I possibly give this woman? I I don't know. Hmm. And, and so I made the decision as I'm turning, I'm, I'm not going to pull over. And then I found myself pulling over. I, I just pulled over and I was thinking like, what are you doing, Arlene? You don't, now this is embarrassing because I've pulled my car over. She's looking at me because I can see her in the rear mm-hmm. view mirror and, and I have nothing to give her. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me. And so I start kind of looking through my car. I open up the, co- the center console and I see that I have, I have a bunch of change and 
I mean, it's, it's everything quarters, you know, nickels, everything. So I'm trying to get like mostly quarters. So it's at least it's like adding up to some dollars and not just a bunch of pennies. But, um, so I just get this, this like two, two hands full of coins and I get out of the car and I just walk up to her and I'm like, this is for you because I did not know what to say. And, um, and so she, she had like tears, you know, welling up in her eyes. I get in the car and I leave and I'm like, what the heck was that? Like, I, I was thinking you gotta be kidding me. And, and here's, here's the best part though. Um, so later that day I'm at work and I walk from the times office to the health food store. And in the back of the health food store, there was this little cafe and I used to get lunch there frequently. And um, I go to the cafe and I, I place my order. The chef, and he said, no, no, today lunch is on us. Mm-hmm. And that was a very powerful um, moment for me because when he said it, my experience from that morning came back to me. And I realized how many times I resisted calls like that previously. Um, and maybe not even just necessarily giving away things or money, but um, just little opportunities to do things. And I would come up with reasons not to. Mm-hmm. And having my lunch covered that day um, sort of reminded me of just how deep the trust we can have can go. Yes. Um, because we can give of ourselves and we will be given to, you know, by God, he will fuel us with what we need, whether that's, you know, the money that we need or the energy that we need or whatever, you know? Um, and so if he's calling you to a thing, we don't have to worry about what we lose in, Mm. in answering that call. It's, it's more about just being open to giving what God is asking you to give and, and knowing and trusting and believing that he's really going to give you what you need. Mm. Um, and if he doesn't give you back what you gave away, you, you probably didn't need it, you know? Yeah. Or he'll give you something better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that answer. I was just talking to my spiritual director about this a couple of days mm-hmm. ago. And I was talking about how there's some things in my past that I'm trying to reconcile and trying to bring that hurt to the Lord and let him heal it. I was thinking about all of these instances where it's starting to make sense as I pray further about it, that God doesn't leave you alone, that he, everything that that person, like every gap that that person left in my life was filled by someone else, Mm. Um, particularly in the moments where I was most vulnerable and most needed it. It was, I mean, I mean, strangers stepping in like crazy stuff, Arlene, even just little things like last week, um, I stopped at the gas station. I was like, I can't make it through today without more coffee. Um, and so I went into the gas station and was filling up my car at the same time and um, just stepped up to the, you know, to pay for my coffee. And the woman said, oh, do you have a rewards number? And I said, uh, no. And she said, oh, well, I, I get a free coffee and my coffee today is, is for you. Oh and, my gosh. Oh and I was God. like, <laughs> I looked at her with tears in my eyes. And I mean, I had the worst like red circles under my eyes, you know, it was just like, it was not a good day. And it was one of those moments where I felt so vulnerable and so needy. And so like my needs were not being met. And there was this Mm. random woman just giving me a very small gesture, but so meaningful. And I I think about that homeless woman too. And like how much those quarters must have meant to her, regardless of how much they actually amounted to. It's the, it's the gesture, it's the faith in humanity. It's the divine providence. And who knows, maybe she was standing on that street corner, just praying for someone to just notice her. 
regardless yeah. of whatever money yeah. she did, you know? And my spiritual director, as we were talking about it, he said, he was like, Stacy, there are no coincidences. This stuff mm-hmm. is going to keep happening to you because this is what divine providence is. And he yes. said something really beautiful. He said, expect everything from God. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Those little small things build trust with the Lord. And then yes. you can yeah. make those small steps and then those lead to the bigger steps. And if you're like me and you've grown up like hearing about people like St. Tarsesius who just like died for love of the Eucharist or, wow. you know, these crazy martyrs who are like do insane things. And it's like, how did they know to do that? Or how did they build up to that? I think the answer is small steps. It was, a, it was yeah. there was so much more behind that martyrdom or that, that um, really big leap of faith in God. So I yeah. love that. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's incredible too. Yeah. You're, I love your story. Thank you so much for sharing. That. Yeah, you too. This is going a totally different direction than I intended, but I think because <laughs> this is the big question of all of, all of this podcast is discernment. So how do we actually hear God's voice? And it's a, a question that fascinates me and I love everyone's responses to it of all my guests. Um, and okay. So yeah. So let's talk about another aspect of discernment, um, okay. which is getting what you want. And okay. Uh, a lot of discernment is it's not so much um, it's not changing God's plan. It's aligning yourself to God's plan by getting to the deepest part of your own desires. Um, Mm. And what you most deeply want is to give yourself away um, as Christ gave himself away to us. Um, So it's sorting through those, those deep desires and chastity at the heart of it is giving yourself away. In fact, um, the catechism describes chastity. I love this as the successful integration of sexuality within a person. Yes. So, uh, first part of the question is, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Second part is, how is it lived? And third part, how did you sort of embrace this this definition of chastity and um, and discover that that is what you really want? Okay, three parts. Oh my goodness. There's so I know, many things so much. I want to say. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So, first, yes. Yeah, so, so, chastity is a virtue. So, I'm going to back up a little bit more. Um, a virtue, according to the Catechism, is a habitual and firm disposition to do good. Mm-hmm. Um, and and how I translate that is really, it's a decision we make over and over every day to do the right thing. So, chastity is the successful integration of sexuality within a person. Um, And if if chastity is a virtue, then really what that is, is the decision we make every day over and over to do the right thing regarding Mm -hmm. sex. Now, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how is that lived? Well, everyone is called to do the right thing regarding sex. That includes single people, married people, priests, nuns, divorced people, engaged people, people who are dating um, whoever I've, I've forgotten mm-hmm. um, on that list. <laughs> Everyone is called to do the right thing regarding sex. It's just that the right thing regarding sex will be different for us depending on our vocations, mm-hmm. our states in life, that sort of thing. And so we have to um, look at what, what is um, my state in life? What is my vocation? So right now I am single in, in the sense that I am not married. Um, as a Catholic, I believe that sex is a sacred physical sign of the vows that a husband and wife made on the altar where they were married. Um, that it's um, an expression of the unity that is achieved by the sacrament of matrimony and that it is designed for procreation and for bonding. Um, but if we back up to the beginning of that definition where, where I said you know, it's um, the sacred physical sign of the vows that a husband and wife took. And I acknowledge that I am neither a husband nor a wife. And what I have to do is accept that sex is not currently for me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, chastity for me would, would certainly then involve abstaining from sex. Um, and I think, um, you know, as someone who's written about and spoken about chastity for a lot of years now, um, one of the pieces of feedback that I've gotten um, is, is sort of a, um, a sad um, a sadness and a resignation among people who have already had sex outside of marriage. Um, um, but the key here is, is to also remember that um, chastity and virginity are not synonymous. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if a person already has had non-marital sex, um, that does not ever mean that someone can't start practicing chastity starting now. That's one of the you know beautiful things about the virtue of chastity is it's a decision we make every day over and over starting now. Um, and, and it doesn't, you know, hold the past against you. Um, mm-hmm. um, but then of course, um, you know, chastity is also for married people, um, mm-hmm. who do have sex with each other. Um, and that's, um, you know, part of that is upholding that definition of sex and having sex for reasons that are more substantial than just because one of us had an urge. How did you personally embrace that? Um, and you know, mm-hmm. how has that lived in your life? Oh, wow. Well, I grew up um, in a Catholic household, going to a Catholic church, attending Catholic youth group for high school. Um, And I also grew up from fifth grade um, through my high school graduation at a Protestant Christian school. And so particularly in my youth group and at my school, I received uh, varying degrees of what I would call abstinence education. I don't think I received very much education in chastity, and I would definitely mm-hmm. differentiate the two. Mm-hmm. Um, chastity obviously has a lot more depth. Um, it it applies to a lot more people than abstinence does, and so um, um, I would definitely differentiate the two. Um, and I think in terms of how I was educated. Um, usually when, when abstinence is discussed, um, it's more of like a don't have sex until you're married, but no one defines sex for you. No one defines marriage for you. No one defines love for you. And I think that was more of what I got growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not, I mean, I had wonderful, um, I had a, you know, a few wonderful youth ministers and I'm sure, um, particularly one of them, um, did not, um, you know, fail at, at explaining or expressing chastity. It's just that, um, I only, you know, I don't remember much, um, like from back then. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wasn't dating, um, so it wasn't super relevant for me. I didn't start dating until college. So um, then in my my Protestant school, I mean, certainly I don't think any of them had heard the word chastity before. So um, mm-hmm. it was, that was a very, very Catholic sort of word. Um, well, that's so interesting. Do they say, yeah. do they just say abstinence then? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They only refer to abstinence. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're not super familiar with, with the virtue of chastity and huh. forgive me any Protestants out there who discuss it in your churches, but at the school I went to, um, it never, it never came up. And oh, until I, until I went back several years later um, as an adult and gave a chastity talk. So now they talk. <laughs> but, now um, they talk. but I will say but, too, like uh, Catholics say the word chastity and all we think of is abstinence in some right. places. Mm-hmm. It's not, Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. The first, I guess, official uh, boyfriend that I had did not believe what I did about sex. Um, mm-hmm. and, and this guy and I really had no reason to be dating each other. But then there was something that I learned about him that um, really um, changed the course of my life. I, I mean, to be honest with you, 
because very quickly um, I, I discovered that my plan to save sex was a snag in his plan to have sex with me as soon as possible. Mm. And it was sort of like at the very beginning, he would, you know, claim to be willing to save sex, um, which uh, for the record is, is not enough. Um, and I can talk more about that if, if you would like me to, but, mm-hmm. but essentially, um, you know, he would say things that uh, amounted to emotional abuse. He, you know, he asked me like, um, if I really want to ruin my wedding night that way by not knowing what I'm doing. Oh, wow. um, mm-hmm. He asked me um, if I'm sure I'm not a lesbian. Oh, he wow. would say things like, you are acting like a child. I deserve to touch you, um, things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, It's and like a so, different, totally different worldview. Oh, like, yes. I know, yeah. I know it might, like nobody should say something like that to anybody, but mm-hmm. I, I lived in New York City for several years mm-hmm. and I encountered a lot of men who would say those mm-hmm. kinds of things. And so hearing that, it's like, Somehow yeah. it's like weirdly normal to me, even right. though like it, no girl wants to hear that. No, that's no. not, that's yeah. not attractive and it's not virtuous and it's not good. Yeah. It's not right. But unfortunately that's the world we live in. So yeah, yeah isn't yeah. that messed up? It was so messed up. And, and it got to the point that one day I remember, I remember I was on my way to a friend's house and I called him, the guy I was dating. And it, cause it had just started to dawn on me that he's really trying to break me down. Yeah. As you're talking, I'm like, that would have been so hard for me to do to just be like, you are not going to break me down, you know, to see that bigger <laughs> picture. I am a, I am a people pleaser and no matter, uh, well, I've gotten, I've gotten way over this now, but my early twenties <laughs> were, a, I was, I had a lot of, um, desire to please people and a lot yeah. of, yeah, I mean, it really what it was was a, a disorder of my priorities. God is the first mm-hmm. priority, and then mm-hmm. everything else comes underneath that. Boyfriend is never the first priority. But yes. mm-hmm. I always felt such guilt about like uh, trying to be, I don't know, I just, I was not strong. I always felt like, oh my gosh, if I make them angry, then there's something wrong with me. And that is mm-hmm. so not true. Like, you do not have to please anyone. You do not have to do anything that makes you uncomfortable. Right. Or give yourself to someone in that way out of, I mean, that's like the worst thing you could do is to do it out of guilt. Like a feeling like, oh, I owe this to you. I just want to like totally reverse that for our culture that you do not owe, even if you've been in a committed relationship for three years, you do not owe someone that part of yourself before you get married. Ladies, (laughs) gentlemen. Yes. Listen to what she has said. Um, It's so, it was very eye opening because he had that, he had that um, belief that, you know, if you're dating me, you owe me this. And, mm. and so when I, when I did break up with him, um, I, I reflected on it for a while, you know, like people do at the end of a relationship. And I realized, you know, golly, like this one guy I happened to date just so didn't understand chastity and he didn't understand why I would choose it. And this sparked something in me because as a communicator, you know, I was working for the largest newspaper in the state of Florida at the time. And I was like, I want to tell people I want, like, I I made it my goal to clearly define chastity and, and just explain why I have chosen it. Mm. And 
And so uh, that I think is when I really deeply chose it for myself. Um, Mm. Because up until that point, I didn't really even know what chastity was. I knew abstinence, definitely. um, But I didn't know the depth of chastity. Um, And so I started kind of looking into it more. And I, you know, I I wrote the first sex essay that I wrote for the Times. um, And for that one, I interviewed a bunch of people I knew who had saved sex for marriage. And one of them, or or a couple of them, a married couple, um, they during my phone call with them, they recommended that I read Love and Responsibility, which was written by St. John Paul II. I knew once I had read that book and got this bigger picture of, of what chastity really is and and really started to love it um, and, and like the way um, it would change the world if everyone practiced it. Mm. Um, I knew I was like, oh no, like my last essay was about abstinence. I have to tell people about chastity now. <laughs> and so mm. I went back to my editor and I was like, I have to write it about sex again. Please, please let me. And he did, of course. Um, <laughs> got, because he, he knew it would do, it would do well in the paper mm. in terms of getting attention. Um, mm-hmm. But, but yeah, so I think that it was sort of through that experience of having that relationship with someone who did not see what I see about sex, um, mm-hmm. that is what really helped me to um, truly decide that that chastity is is for me, and um, uh, you know, it made it real. It made mm-hmm. it not just like in high school when I wasn't even dating anyone. It was easy to say, like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm going to save sex for marriage," but mm-hmm. um, it wasn't yeah. until I had a choice that. Um, yeah. I love that you just acted out of um, what I consider to be a place of true empowerment. And I know empower is maybe an overused word nowadays, but just looking at your life and saying, this is what I want and this is what I believe in. And I, I know from my past experience and from many people I've talked to that it's so easy to say, well, I, you know, I'll really miss this person and there's a lot of good things about them. And you uh, sort of, um, you beat around the bush for a while or there's a better word for it, a better term I can't think of right now, but you, you put it off because you're thinking what it comes mm-hmm. down to is I don't want to be alone. Mm-hmm. And that's a big fear for a lot of people is I don't want to be alone. And so you compromise in order to keep that relationship or you just don't want to go through the trouble of getting out of it because you're so comfortable and you don't want to have mm-hmm. to update your status on Facebook and tell the friends and right, you know, all right. that can go through that life change or that, that, identity crisis of being single again. Yeah. And yeah. so you just hold off. Um, but I just love that you put that at the forefront. You said, this is what I'm choosing. Um, and yeah. just stuck with it. What a, what a right. brave choice, especially because Thank on the other side was singlehood. And it's like, well, yeah. that wasn't necessarily like, it's, it's like so many parts of trusting God's plan where you say yes to something. You're not even exactly sure what it is. You say yes to a principle without yeah. knowing the plan. Yes, and that's yeah. what the Blessed Mother did because it, yeah. we hear about her and you know the Annunciation, and she says, "I am the handmaid of the Lord; be it done unto me according to your word." And the very next yes. thing that happens is that the angel just leaves. Wow. He doesn't even yeah. say anything to her. He's just like, 
peace out. Yeah. <laughs> and then like no, to- you know, no knowledge of how she's going to negotiate this conversation with Joseph and what her family's going to think and her community's going to think. I've been thinking about this a lot for the last couple months. And I'm like, yeah, no, we're not supposed to know the plan. We're not supposed to have yeah. all the answers and God's not going to guarantee us, uh, you know, a trophy wife or a really hot husband. Um, right in order to, you know, to have the bravery to break up with that relationship that's wrong. You just have to create that space and you have to live according to that principle in yes. order to, um, to live the virtue and choose that first. Um, which yeah. I've, you know, I know in my own life when I choose to live by my principles rather than by my um, grasping at sort of an orphan spirit of what can I get today? What can I get now? Um, when I choose to live in that bigger picture, it brings me so much more peace and it always works out better. Isn't that something? Isn't it? That is good. That <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. You know, I thought, of, I thought of something. Um, yeah. I'm going to consider it a call and I'm going to share another story. So great. Um, this is, this has less to do with, you know, d- deciding whether to, to break up with a person, but this is more like when you're, when, when I was um, not dating anyone um, and there was a particular guy I was interested in several years ago. I remember one night I was working out in my parents' garage. Um, I was on the elliptical and I had my cell phone sitting on the book rack on the elliptical. And it was, you know, the screen face up because I was hoping to hear from this guy. And Mm -hmm. you know how when there's a longing in your heart, um, Mm -hmm. you you feel um, an ache. That's how I can describe it is it's like this, this ache. And I was aching that night. I was just aching because I wanted so badly to hear from this guy. Mm. And kept kind of glancing down at my phone and I was never, you know, seeing any texts come through from him. And uh, I remember kind of beginning to silently pray. And it was like, God, I need you to take this ache away. Like, I want to stop aching. I can't take Mm -hmm. it anymore. And... Um, I can count on one hand the number of times I have heard God's voice, um, and this was one of them. He said, you don't ache because you're alone. You ache because you're looking in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And what that communicated to me, first of all, I, I was very freaked out because that was the first time I ever heard God's voice. And I was like, where the heck did that come from? <laughs> like, what was that? Um, and then I realized like, oh my gosh, that was God. And so... Um, but what he was communicating to me was that he really means it when he says, seek first the kingdom. Um, and I was seeking first this guy. Mm-hmm. And I had a habit of, and still do probably, of seeking first anything other than God. And, um, mm-hmm. and that's just, that's in my need for control. That's in my, you know, difficulty trusting, you know, I try to orchestrate things. Yes. It's humanity. And so, so I, um, I was so, um, floored by that because he's right. Um, no, I wasn't floored that God was right. Obviously God was right. I was floored (laughs) though by, by, by realizing that when I keep my eyes fixed on him and when I keep him at the center of everything I do, um, it doesn't mean there's never an ache ever because <laughs> um, we're on earth and, and things aren't going to be perfect here. But when my eyes are fixed on him, 
whether I have this thing that I've been longing for or this person that I've been longing for starts to matter a lot less because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with God and that, that is all I need. I remember once I had this, um, this experience, uh, I, I, I guess I was probably praying and, and I had this, like this image come to me um, and I was in just um, total darkness, except for one light. It was almost like there was a spotlight and Jesus was standing in front of me under the spotlight. Mm-hmm. And I remember having this awareness as I was looking at this, this image um, of, I have nothing in this darkness except for Christ. And that means I have everything I need. Mm-hmm. And it was like a release of, of some anxiety that I had that day. Um, worrying about, well, what if this happens or what if that happens? It was like, it really, it really doesn't matter because as long as I'm here with Christ, that is everything. Mm-hmm. And everything could be, I could lose everything. Everything could be taken away from me and I would still have enough mm-hmm. because you know, he's, not, he's not going anywhere. Yeah. Now, I don't know this verse offhand, but I just Googled it real quick because it reminds me of um, Philippians verse 4. Chapter four, verse 12, which is, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, rather living in plenty or in want. Wow. That's so good. (laughs) Wow. Text me that after. That's good. Yeah, I will. I will do that. Philippians 4.12. That's St. Paul. St. Paul is my guy. Oh, he's so good. Can't wait to meet that man in heaven. Yeah. Like, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for the words, man. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's so true. And and it points to a deeper reality, which comes up over and over again on this podcast and over and over again, everywhere I look, you know, everywhere I talk to with people of faith, which is that um, I think Jackie Francois said it so well. Um, She said, if God alone isn't enough, nothing will be ever. And that's a huge part of the outlook of chastity, which is that you aren't looking for sexual fulfillment to fulfill you. Catholic people who are, who are single and who are trying to do the right thing, there's maybe this idea that, okay, I, I wait and I wait and you wait, and then I, have, I get married and I have sex, and then it's going to be amazing, and then I'm going to be gratified in all the ways that I wasn't, whether that's emotionally or physically or both. And um, my husband and I have discovered that sex is an incredible gift and it is so, so good. And it is such a beautiful way to unify ourselves and we need it. Like we really do need to come together in that way because it's so easy to get pulled apart and get distracted from one another, especially with the responsibilities of family life. But at the same time too we realize the limitations of what we can do for each other. And it's not because we don't love each other completely. It's just that we don't have the capacity to satisfy that desire, like that ache that we were talking about earlier. I think maybe just being in Catholic culture for so long, I'd heard that enough times, but I don't think that it's said enough that there's not this, um, okay, you hold out and you wait and then you get married and suddenly everything's perfect because, um, because everything that happens inside the bedroom is directly influenced by everything that happens outside the bedroom. Mm. And whether or not your husband forgets to take out the trash directly influences how you feel toward him that day <laughs> and requires forgiveness. And whether, you know, uh, one of us makes a comment that 
sort of rubs the other one the wrong way. It's like, we have to, we have to work that out. And, um, and we're not just gonna, you know, (laughs) it all, it all is connected. And because we are fallible human beings, we just don't have the capacity to fulfill each other. Um, but there's a freedom in that too. There's a freedom in that because, um, because, I think when you are, like you said, successfully integrated, what that orients you towards is a whole way of life. That is, yes. um, it's a continuity between your single life and your married life. And you can enjoy the goods of marriage. You can enjoy all of the beautiful joys of of physical intimacy without expecting more from that person. And so it's yeah. all a gift as opposed to you owe me this. Right. Which is, it goes right back to what you were saying about that relationship with that guy where he's like, you owe me this, you know, this mm-hmm. is something that I deserve. And if you approach it from that direction, that is, that kills, that kills it, kills the love. Mm-hmm. Um, I yes. am so happy to say God gave me an incredible husband and I have never felt used by him. I mean, he's, uh, that's so beautiful. It is such a gift. And I think a lot of that comes from natural family planning. Honestly, it's not easy, but it is worth it. (laughs) Um, Anyone who has questions about natural family planning, just reach out. I'll give you the real talk because it is, it's like, I love it and I hate it. Um, (laughs) My episode with Melanie Smith, which was all about that, um, just all about welcoming babies, like, like giving God your life and, you know, the, the chance that you could have unplanned babies, which has happened to us twice. And that's been um, a, beautiful, a beautiful thing and a cross to carry because at the time we didn't know what we were doing with our lives. You know, like my husband didn't yeah. have a job. I was the breadwinner. We had just moved far away from family, yada, yada, yada. People have probably heard me say this multiple times. I apologize. Um, but <laughs> yeah, but just the the fact that I can look at our relationship and say, I, he's never used me. He's never been, if I've been like, honey, I am exhausted today. He's never been like, you owe me this. This is what mm-hmm. you signed up for. Because what we signed up for is to give to each other. We didn't sign up to right. take for each, from each other. We, yes. gave, we signed up for a covenant of love in which you give yourself to another person. And what's so beautiful about mutually doing that is that there is the strength and the grace given from God there to rise above mm-hmm. yourself and do heroic things you never would have thought possible. Because honestly, I, I, I feel that grace. I really do. It's real. Like I, when you imagine just giving of yourself all the time, you're like, oh my gosh, I'll have nothing left. It sounds so scary. You're like, ah, like what it, it might induce some panic to be like, okay, so I have to give my entire life um, and I don't get anything back. And you know, the answer is that you get back more. It's that mystery of giving yourself away in which you find yourself in which you really um, grow to be more than you are, which I have discovered with, with um, motherhood as well. But I'd say marriage especially is um, chastity is like a part of that to me is, is allowing that person to have the freedom to be themselves Mm. and to accept who they are and to accept where they are without trying to change them and without trying to make them into something that you want them to be. Wow. And that's needed for longevity because I'm only, I'm only three and a half years in and there's already been so many instances where we just had to talk about like, well, I thought that you would like to do this with me and it looks like you don't. And I'm disappointed because I really was expecting that we would enjoy this thing together. And to get past that, you have to have this, this whole outlook of giving self gift. It's like, okay, well, if you don't enjoy that, 
I have to accept that about you and I have to love you for who you are because that's what I signed up for. But then when you decide and you commit to that, there is a grace that, that doesn't kill the love. It expands it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a beautiful, I don't know. I, I hope I've expressed all of that well. Um, and no single people yeah. are running away screaming right now. Like I'm <laughs> married because it really, it does. Um, it transforms you. Um, in fact, I was talking to my husband and I was like, ah, I just feel so like overwhelmed with just motherhood. And um, there's a lot of moments in our lives where we just look at each other and we're like, we don't, we don't know what we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, yeah, but he said, you are so much more beautiful than when I married you. He said, because you, oh my gosh, I know, I know. (laughs) And (laughs) like, I have Arlene, I could like send you a screenshot. Like, this wouldn't be sexting you because you're not a lesbian, but I could send you a screenshot of my stomach of what it looks like. And there are, like, I have the tiger stripes, like the um, stretch marks. And like, I don't have a belly button anymore. That's how badly my stomach stretched out. (laughs) And like, I'm more slender than before I had children, but like, I have like a little permanent muffin top right there. And, mm-hmm. and he's like, I love it. Like, I love it because oh. he's like, you've been worked on by grace and that, you know, and our children are the reason that that's, you know, how you look. And, and like it to him, it's like, he's seeing me as the whole person. He's not just seeing me as a hot body oh, or whatever. That is so beautiful. Oh my yeah. gosh. I it's, love it. It's beautiful to live with that. Like it's beautiful when you go for the principle and, and I, I am a very flawed human being and I am always, we are both always striving, but it is such a gift to find a man who has given himself to God for so many years before he met me, who already, I didn't have to drag him along behind me and didn't have to convince him to be on the same page with chastity. And oh my gosh, what a difference. Like our relationship, I was like, we are running this race together. And there were times when, you know, if we wanted to start going too far, when we were, you know, past our agreed upon point, when we were engaged, he would sometimes be the one to be like, uh, okay, well, I'm just gonna, we just got to take a walk or something. Yeah. And that, that was so different than all of my other relationships, except one, there was another man I dated who was a very, a man of very good character. Um, and that mm-hmm. did not work out for various reasons. We were not meant to be, but, but this was the one where I felt like not only was there um, equality of striving for virtue, but then there was also um, a compassion there and, and like a really seeking to see me for who I am. And, ah, yeah, I, I just, I'm so grateful. And I don't say any of that to say, for anyone out there waiting, like I found the perfect one. Lucky, lucky me. Let's, you know, I don't say that to discourage anyone. Cause I know it's so hard when you're waiting to not compare yourself to people. And mm. all, I'm only saying that because like until April 30th, 2015, I did not know my husband and I walked this earth for 26 years before I knew him. And mm. um, for some people that sounds like a long time for some people that might sound like a short time, but until he appeared, I didn't know, even know he was out there. And it was purely, uh, he is purely a gift. He, he is God, you know, God's gift to me. And, um, and, you know, and I am a gift to him. And so, you know, if, if you are waiting and you feel discouraged in the waiting, like that's another aspect of it is God can, God can work such incredible miracles. If you are just, if you just wait on his timing, he can bring that person to you. So that went all over the map. That was a call. 
to share that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank I think you. it's so necessary. People Thank need you. to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, I was like, yeah, we're sharing a lot about chastity in singlehood, what that looks like. And I think that's the tendency is to focus on that. And I totally understand why. That's yeah. where you need to form that character. But it's that peace that comes from having that character and then executing those actions, having that successful integration of sexuality for your entire life. Yes. Um, and that's what our culture doesn't get at all. It's not even a great question, but I just am going to throw it at you anyway. How far is too far? A few things come to mind. Um, number one, I think it's important to consider um, the purpose of a lot of um, f- f- physical um, displays or expressions or whatever of intimacy. Um, it's a lot. It's important to consider their purpose because, like, once you start like making out and stuff. Um, you are really, you are engaging in an activity that is like preparing the human body for sex. Like Mm -hmm. it will arouse you. Um, Mm -hmm. It will. And when you're feeling that um, your, your body is, is starting to expect something that as a person who practices chastity, you are committed to not doing. It's just very pointless um, Mm -hmm. to go there if you truly plan not to have sex um, until you are married. Um, Mm -hmm. Why prepare your body to do a thing that you're not um, able to do currently? Mm -hmm. Um, Good answer. So that's the first thing I think of. And the second thing is um, um, I'm stealing this answer and I don't remember who I'm stealing it from. Um, (laughs) I've heard it in a, a couple of different contexts. I think one of them was when I worked for the Christian Broadcasting Network, I was part of a campaign called Unhooked. I was also part of a panel discussion and there was a, a woman on that panel um, named Mo Isom. I believe she said this, um, was that you're asking the wrong question when you ask how far is too far because um, you're essentially asking like, how close am I allowed to bring this person towards sin when the question you should be asking is how close can I get this person to Jesus Christ? Mm-hmm. And that to me, I mean, by just simply asking yourself um, that question, I mean, you, you know, you, you'll know, um, you'll know what you should and shouldn't do. Um, yeah. And, and, and my gosh, what a game changer for relationships that would be if, if more people were asking that question and said, hey, how can I, how close can I bring this person to Christ? You know, that's just so amazing yeah. to me. I love it. I love it. Here's a quote from your book. Despite the evidence that the world's road doesn't end where we're told it will, people walk it over and over because a viable alternative to it is sincerely inconceivable. I remember just being belittled, left out of conversations when I went to college, and I just quickly gained this reputation of being the good little Catholic girl. And people were trying to get me to swear, and they were trying to get me to drink. And, you know, people like kind of wanted to me to fit in with the, the lifestyle. Um, so what guidance do you have for people who just, they don't want to imagine themselves as an outcast, you know, like, right. like I, I know this secret about theology of the body, but like nobody else does and no one's going to understand it. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Believe me, I've, I've been there. Um, I think 
Yeah, it's, su- it's super interesting. Um, for me, it's kind of like anytime I talk about theology of the body or like natural family planning or even, even sometimes just chastity, um, people look at you like you're crazy. Like, like they, mm-hmm. they simply like, if they are not already familiar with it, um, and especially if they are not believers, the first thing I think of is ultimately that what other people think of you um, is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Always. That's obviously something that's easier um, said than, than sort of like responded to with our lives because, you know, we are humans and we want to be accepted and we want to be loved and we, we don't want to, you know, generally speaking, we don't want to be alone and mm-hmm. um, it can be very easy to feel alone um, in that. However, and, and this is easy for me to say because I've got very thick skin now. That will happen to you when you put your virginity in the newspaper over and over. Um, because <laughs> I've, I've gotten a lot of phone calls and I've gotten a lot of emails and a lot of comments that are just simply nasty. And it's gotten easier. And now it's sort of like um, motivation. Uh, when mm. I get negative feedback, I just, I collect it and I, I, it helps me determine what I need to write about next. What are people confused about next? Mm. Um, what, what do people disagree with that needs to be clarified and nice. so on and so forth. But um, I bring all this up because there's something else that, that makes um, living a different kind of life easier. It's very important to surround ourselves, but we have to have some kind of community that we are affiliated with. Mm-hmm. Um, of people who believe what we do. And it's, it's not impossible. The year is 2020. Um, we have the technology to connect with people who are anywhere. And so I, you know, if you um, are a member of a parish and there are no other young adults there that you can hang out with, then I say, you know, then get on Twitter or get on Instagram and find some Catholics there and, and connect Um but odds are really good, I think, now that um, there is some place within driving distance of, of most of us where we can find um, Catholics to spend time with. And they don't even have to be your age, to be honest with you. There are plenty of like elderly Catholics who are just so full of virtue and wisdom. There is something about going through life um, with with the support of someone who agrees with you on things and who's not going to attack you when you bring them up and who's not going to make fun of you when you talk about them or live a certain way. And I want to make a plug for my little Patreon community as well, because I just felt called to start a community because I hear this a lot from people. They're like, I can't find people in my area. So I started an online community and it's not just like where you're a consumer and you watch me on a live stream, we actually have video chats. You see my face, I see your face, and we get to know each other and hang out. And that was my whole point in starting it, you know, in, in sort of creating in 2020, um, is to to really create that for people and so that people can form genuine friendships. Um, and yeah, that's the beauty of technologies. Like we we, we got this. Like think a little yeah. creatively, think outside the yeah. box. If there's nobody literally walking up to you after mass and saying, be my friend, you got to probably take some steps. (laughs) I think that we would be remiss not to talk about coming back from sins and coming back from times that, you know, you have given into, into unchastity and 
how do you make that transition back? How do you decide I'm going to commit to this and stick to it? And also, how do you have like hope in yourself? Because I think there's a lot of self-criticism and self-judgment that can happen very quickly. Well, I have a few things, um, a few things to say in, in response to that. So um, the first thing is um, there are commitments every person can make regardless of their past, um, regardless of um, what they once believed if they find, you know, if they find themselves changing their minds, um, maybe thinking that, you know, chastity is a good idea and, and they want to think that. Um, mm-hmm. There are commitments that each of us can make that will make um, practicing chastity possible. Um, the first commitment would be a commitment to critical thought. The second would be a commitment to community. Mm. And the third would be a commitment to Christ. Mm. Um, when I say critical thought, what I mean is that a lot of times, um, you know, we go through life and we just sort of um, do things um, because other people are doing them. And I don't think we actively necessarily say like, well, everybody does it, so I'm doing it. I mean, maybe some people say that. I, I don't know. But um, I think it's it's a little more subtle than that. It's just... Um, there are certain norms uh, that we just adopt at certain ages or stages of life because they seem so normal. It's just the thing that people do. It's just the thing that you do. Mm. And, um, and we do that without ever um, asking critical questions about those things. Mm. Um, and those critical questions really should be, does this help or hurt my relationship with Christ? And, does this help me to meet my goals or does this make meeting my goals more difficult? Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're a Catholic or a Christian of any kind, then you need to ask, does this help me meet my goals as a Catholic or does this make meeting my goals as a Catholic more difficult? Um, And so we have to ask those questions before we agree to any activity or or behavior or relationship. Mm. And then... Second, um, commitment to community, I already discussed, uh, it is about surrounding yourself with people who believe what you do, who will help you to live it out. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, the third is that commitment to Christ. And when I give my chastity talk, I talk about all these commitments. And one, um, one of the stories that I tell um, is about how the parish I grew up in um, didn't have a chapel. And so sometimes when I was... Um, you know, a young adult, I'm still a young adult, but, but when I was a younger adult, um, sometimes on my lunch break at work or after work, I would stop by the church when it was empty. And, um, and since we didn't have a chapel, I would just walk right into the church and I would walk down the aisle and I would kneel um, in one of the front pews and I would begin to pray. And often I would get um, very distracted Um as an example, um, the maintenance man would walk in quite frequently, mm. and he would frequently have a vacuum strapped to his back. Um, I've never seen anything like it except for at that church. And <laughs> I'm, I'm like a really big Ghostbusters fan. And so when I would see him with this vacuum strapped to his back, I would be like, oh my gosh, that, that looks like a proton pack. This is so cool. And I would think about like how much more fun vacuuming would be if I could wear it, you know? Mm-hmm. And um <laughs> and then I would remember eventually like, oh, I'm here with God. I'm supposed to be praying. And so mm-hmm. I would kind of pull myself back together and start praying again. And 
and then something else would distract me and then something else after that. And inevitably after a while I would begin to wonder whether I'm praying incorrectly. Am I doing this wrong? Um, because I would kind of be sitting there very still, um, you know, like just a statue, completely motionless, not hearing from God, not talking to him. And, uh, and one day um, I was reading this book, um, trying to remember which one it was. I think it was The Art of Loving God by St. Francis de Sales. It's, it was a St. Francis de Sales book, but perhaps it was that one. It might've been a different one. And um, he talked about statues and he talked about how um, oftentimes even he would become like a statue in prayer, sitting just mm -hmm. as I said, completely still, not talking to God and not hearing from him. And he said, however, if you really consider what a statue is, there's a lot of beauty in that um, because a statue is a work of art that people want to gaze upon. Mm. And mm. when you're sitting there completely still in front of the Blessed Sacrament, even in the tabernacle, um, you have to consider that God really does think you are a work of art. And he wants to gaze upon you. He sometimes doesn't need to talk to you like, or to tell you things or mm. to even hear your words. Like sometimes he just wants to spend some time with you, gazing upon you, and it's okay to let him. And this, I think, is um, key to really um, practicing chastity. And that, that applies whether, whether you're single or married, whether you have, um, you know, um, been unchaste previously and, and now are coming back to chastity or coming to chastity for the first time um, because we ultimately become like the people we spend time with. And I cannot think of anybody who is better at going against the grain than Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So if we spend time with him like that, even just to let him gaze upon us, um, we're going to start to absorb him and like his graces and mm. his his skills and his personality uh, traits and and you know we are going to become more like him by spending time with him and so in doing that um this thing that feels um daunting or impossible or even this um this sense of um guilt or, or self-punishment that that I, I imagine mm. is easy to have when, when you've failed at something in the past, um, that all will begin to, to fade, I think, um, by spending time with him. Yeah, just letting him show you how he sees you. I could go on about that for a very long time, but uh, we have spent a lot of time on this and I love it. And I love all of the unexpected stories. This was a very <laughs> spirit led conversation. Yes, I think so too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Arlene. I am super excited to put this out there into the wild and uh, just count on my prayers for you. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm excited and uh, grateful for the opportunity. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Arlene as much as I did. I'm going to link to everything we discussed in the show notes, including the Patreon community for Called and Caffeinated, which I hope you will discern joining. Don't forget, after this, we are going to hear the Pie Jesu, which means Sweet Jesus. It is a beautiful 
um, piece by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Any of you trads out there, don't get upset that we sang Andrew Lloyd Webber at Mass. We sang it as a prelude before Mass, so uh, it was not sung at Holy Mass. Um, but this is my sister Shelly, Shelly Jackson, and me, um, taught by our grandpa at, from a young age to sing, and we're just going to share the gift of music with you here. So please enjoy, and I'll see you back for another episode of Calling Caffeinated in two weeks. God bless you.